357 Magnum's a good weapon, but I've seen 38s careen off windshields. No good in a city like this. Welcome to Should You Watch This with the Popcorn Priest, a weekly podcast where movie enthusiasts, ex-movie theater projectionists, new and old friends, and many others take the time to talk about a movie that we just watched and answer that very question, should or shouldn't you watch this? I'm your host, Chris Compton. Let's get into our review and breakdown of The Enforcer from 1976. San Francisco. Sprawling. Picturesque. Dynamic. Eighth largest cosmopolitan city in the United States. Like every big city, it has its share of crime and violence. God! Don't let him kill me! He wants the car right now! San Francisco is the only city with a cop like Dirty Harry. What are you gonna do? Give him one. Clint Eastwood is... The Enforcer. Joining me today's recurring guest, Cole and Taylor, longtime friends and movie enthusiasts who both worked with me when I worked as a projectionist at the movie theater years ago. Happy having them on this week's breakdown of The Enforcer from 1976. The description for this one is San Francisco Inspector Dirty Harry Callahan must foil a terrorist organization made up of disgruntled Vietnam veterans. But this time, he's teamed with female partner Inspector Kate Moore, with whom he's not too excited to be working. Directed by James Fargo, top-billed stars are Clint Eastwood, Tyne Daly, Harry Guardino. Runtime of 1 hour and 36 minutes, rated R. Genre on Rotten Tomatoes says... Action, comma, mystery, and thriller. Although IMDb says action, crime, comma, thriller. They flipped the crime with mystery. Thanks, IMDb. Speaking of IMDb, they give it a rating of 6.8 out of 10 from 41,000 reviews. Rotten Tomatoes gives us a 68% from 34 critic ratings and 59% from the rest of us. On a $9 million budget this one made a worldwide box office haul of 46 million dollars which this was the ninth largest grossing movie of 1976 where to watch this one unfortunately you're gonna have to rent or buy this one because no one's streaming this gem right now but before you do that let's get into the hottest most talked about segmented podcasting should or should you watch this Five reasons why you should watch this. Number one, if you've watched any of the previous Dirty Harry movies, this is for you. Number two, if you're a fan of Clint Eastwood, this is for you. Number three, if you want to see an amazing cross-section of the late 70s, this is for you. (laughs) Number four, if you want to see some unintentional, hilarious dialogue that most likely would not be allowed nowadays, (laughs) this is for you. And number five, last but not least, if you want to see Dirty Harry fall from the sky interrupting a 70s porn shoot while chasing a perp. Get ready to live. The popcorn trivia for this one, as with other movies in the Dirty Harry film franchise, Callahan makes use of a repeated catchphrase. In Dirty Harry 1971, there was, Do you feel lucky? speech. In Magnum Force 1973, there was, A man's gotta know his limitations. In Sudden Impact, 1983, there was Go Ahead, Make My Day. And in the Deadpool, 1988, there was You're Shit Out of Luck. In this movie, Callahan repeats the phrase 
you can count on that twice and the word marvelous four times sarcastically no less this one's awesome after pauline kale gave a bad review of this movie clint eastwood asked the psychiatrist to do an analysis of her from her reviews of his past work which he had memorized verbatim it concluded that kale was actually physically attracted to clint and because she couldn't have him she hated him therefore it was some sort of vengeance according to clint Nice one, Clint. This is the first movie in which a character played by Clint Eastwood uses the F word. So there's a first. Tyne Daly's well-received performance in this movie led her to being cast in Cagney and Lacey in 1981. The original script was titled Moving Target and onward to the working original title Dirty Harry 3 before officially being called The Enforcer. Body count for this one is 19. Plus one man was shot in the groin. The technical term is groinal shooting. Popcorn beefs? You know what? No beefs for this one. This was good in 1976 and arguably even better watching it today. Find out why in this week's breakdown of The Enforcer. Welcome back to Should You Watch This with the Popcorn Priest. And I've got today with me Cole. Don't have Taylor with us today. So, oh well. But I'm glad to have Cole with us. Hello, Cole. Hi, buddy. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) So we screened... This is the first time we've, we've done this. This is a remote recording through the hosting provider that we're using, Anchor FM. We each... Did some homework. We watched the movie separately, and now we're coming together to do review. Unfortunately, Taylor was kind of a a big baby about just watching it. So the movie we watched was The Enforcer from 1976. San Francisco inspector Dirty Harry Callahan must foil a terrorist organization made up of disgruntled Vietnam veterans. But this time, he's teamed with female partner inspector Kate Moore, with whom He's not too excited to be working. <laughs> that's, that's, that's you all need to know about the movie right there. Yeah, that's the IMD, IMDb description. I have to work with but, a woman? You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> it's so funny. Like This is the third movie in this. I think there's five movies in the series. And this is the last of the five that actually had a a good Rotten Tomatoes score. So, um, and well, the funny thing is, is the fourth one is Clint Eastwood wound up directing and he was dating. I can't remember her name was his girlfriend at the time. And so he kind of put her, you know, center stage. And when you pay attention to the camera angles and that it's kind of like Spielberg with his wife in temple of doom, where he, uh, he kind of just threw her in there and wasn't sure what to do with her. And so you can kind of tell that it has a hard time. Like the dynamic doesn't really work between Clint and, and the female protagonist in that film. And so it's, and then the fifth one, just so it's likely it's a weapon where you can Clint's age is just really starting to shine through and he seems more like a 60 year old man trying to bust these young punks mm. and it's just so over the top that you're just laughing rather than focused on the film itself that one the fourth called sudden impact came out in 83 and then the last one is called the deadpool 
1988. The person, the girl you were talking about. Uh, I, should I should know her name. She's blonde. I can't Sandra Locke? Off the top of my head. Sandra yep, Locke? That's the one. That's her. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. For, for me, like... I got this uh, through the Netflix DVDs, which I'm probably the only one left in the country that still gets them. But really, <laughs> I like I like the hard copy, the 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 media, the physical media, so that I can get the uncompressed audio because the audio was really awesome, and the Blu-ray transfer was really good. And just listening to the jazz, like the jazz music with all the chase scenes was. <laughs> was so awesome it's kind of and that's the other funny thing like i mean the 70s you know we took a i took a film class in at weber state years ago and it was kind of filmed through the ages the beginning of film and special effects each film through the decade and just kind of how there was the saying what if you were to time travel forwards or backwards what would be the best way to figure out the current situation or what's going on and one of the perfect mediums would be movies because yeah you can always kind of tell like what the evil bad guy how it's represented through the years in the enforcer it's the anti-establishment sort of anti-war i guess you'd call them hippies in this mm-hmm. sense or protesters this movie it's funny because it represents several things like women coming into the workforce and mm-hmm. how the representation of all of people of color you know or just criminals and what they yeah, establish right off the bat or the police commissioner like uh, african-american guy that really a pacifist but they arrest his whole crew because yeah they they're black they think well because they because they were tailing harry in that one scene Mm-hmm. And and then went in after him, thinking that if Harry's there, hassling them, that they've got to be they've got to be guilty of something, or they've got to be harboring weapons. And so it's it's kind of funny because this movie, especially unlike Escape from Alcatraz or so I guess a couple of Bond films come to mind, it really represents the themes of the '70s spectacularly because you go from sexism to racism to mm-hmm. like anti-establishment to it it basically checks all the boxes and the music well, e- especially. Even- even in the Vietnam veteran, like their crew, they've got even the women prostitutes that they're well. It's more sub subplot, sub theme. Oh no, that's right. You're yeah, you're right. The, they were because the one was posing. The, he had, yeah, he had to go into the brothel to like get information on one of the ladies. That's true. Well, I think, and the other thing too is, I think what it's trying to represent is you've got the mayor and you know the at city hall and the upscale portion of San Francisco, but then I think it's trying to trying to represent Clint Eastwood in like a positive light, like everything he's having to go through. Like he's got to go into this black barbershop <laughs> to get information from his informant, but then he's got to go to a brothel where with the inflatable sex doll that was hilarious, and then even during <laughs> yeah. that that foot chase scene where he's chasing oh, the informant yeah. and he crashes through into that porno shoot. And it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. the, it's like, Oh, look at all the, you know, the seedy crime that's going on in the underbelly of San Francisco that Clint Eastwood having to go through to catch these, these really dangerous members of society that have, you know, military hardware. And that's the other thing too, is that kills me is their villains in the film. The, I keep wanting to call them hippies, but I, for lack of a better word, I can't think of a better term, but the they're you know, veterans. See, that's, I don't think they're are they veterans. Well, they yeah, they're disgruntled veterans. Well, not all of them, but some of them are. Oh, okay. I didn't some see that in the description. For, I, because they have training with explosives and other stuff, and they know where to get the guns. Oh, that's the, right. That's right. Rocket launchers that. and stuff. But that's yeah. that's kind of what makes but, me laugh is they're 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 using you know the military hardware to try and rid themselves of the military of the you know the, trying to take down the establishment. <laughs> and what's funny yeah. is the whole. The whole, you know, we're going to steal these rocket launchers and then they have to have training on the rocket launchers and then they only really use them in, you know, two scenes really quick. And so they kind of they kind of telegraph that in what's going to happen during the climax, which 
I love, but it's everything about the movie just, I mean, it brings back my love of 70s films in general. It makes me kind of want to watch the first two again. They're they're good. The first one, the first one's more... The first one's way more low-key. It's, he's just kind of... It's more serious. It feels a lot... The fr- It's kind of like Rambo. The first one, I remember... No, like, it's, it deals with the the... Almost like it feels like that movie about the killer in San Francisco. Oh, Zodiac. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like that because there's this guy who's just like killing people for sport. Well, that's what it's based on. So that's because if you if you watch the actual movie Zodiac, that's got Jake Gyllenhaal. They there's a scene in that film where they're all in the the theater watching the first Dirty Harry movie, and they're talking about how the the criminal was sending in coded messages and signals. And so they walk out of the auditorium and Jake Gyllenhaal's talking to Mark Ruffalo and Jake says, you know, you're going to catch him. And Mark says, how they're already making movies about him. And so that was because everybody was so terrified that Warner Brothers kind of capitalized on it. But the end of the first Dirty Harry, or if you read any like the history of the first when they were making the first movie, it was supposed to be way more violent and they wanted to kind of go way harder. But they because of oh, Rambo. No, not Rambo. The AAMP, like the the rating system and basically the, you know, what morally they couldn't show on the screen, you know, in terms of what their ratings were at the time. Thank you. MPAA. Thank you. That's what I was trying yeah, to think MPAA. of. They had to dial a lot of it back. That whole movie was supposed to be about Harry kind of losing faith in the system and not believing in justice. And so that's kind of what's translated into this, like this third film with the hostage situation at the beginning where he's just kind of fed up with the justice system in general, where he just drives his car right into the building just to take out the, the hostage <laughs> takers because he's tired of playing nice and he's kind of like pussy around. He's the around. worst cop. He's the worst cop. <laughs> Taylor's joined us. Like the whole thing, he's, like, like when he was like supposed to help that guy who they thought was having a heart attack, you're like, this man can't do anything but shoot people. <laughs> but but then you realize that he knows the he knows the area so well that he knew this guy and he's like you know what I'm not gonna let him get away with this although the bystanders didn't know that but that made the scene all the more humorous. It made it like it's like yeah. in theory like he would have worked his way up to being like a detective so like he would have been a beat cop at some point and it's just impossible to imagine that just he just does not care. <laughs> but he always seems put out when whenever he has to like follow any kind of rule. Yeah, like the but, like the whole like relationship with like the like junior cop that he's with it's like he like shot takes a shine to her which he's like even though you're suspended i'll break the rules to help you and he's like hey you're all right but at the same time though that's that's the whole point is he's he's kind of burnt like he's pissed off because he's getting pared down in personnel because he was already burned out as it was. So now he's got to go down to personnel and deal with all these newbies that are so green that, you know, he doesn't want them to get killed, but he doesn't want to be there at the same time. So that's why he's trying to give Time Daily a hard time in her interview to see if she's actually worth going out there and risking her life for it. And so she saw that he did that for her to kind of push her and she rose to the occasion. So now she's going to do that for him. Chief inspector is trying to screw him over and take the credit by framing those innocent black men that were just trying to run a barbershop. Yeah, the, whole, the whole attitude towards policing in that movie is so funny. <laughs> it's like, like the one like cop wife is like, it's a war. He's like, yeah. <laughs> but that's the funny it's like it's come on man but i mean compared to the time it was relatively mild because that was 76 whereas you know five years five or six years later you've got lethal weapon that kind of blew everything away because of it really ratcheted things up a notch in terms of you know how it portrayed cops and like law enforcement and things like that where mel gibson's just going in blowing everybody away well that's what that's what that's what clint eastwood does he just kind of like provokes people so you shoot them 
<laughs> like that is true. Like the best bit at the end of that movie is is what the the helicopter. No, says. no, 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 don't don't give it away. Don't I'm give not, it away. I'm just saying it's the best bit. <laughs> it is. It's pretty awesome. The thing, well, the so it kills me about it. Like the, besides the music, which is just great, especially like. It's so great. I mean, it, oh it God, tries my, to make it suspenseful, uh, like but it's not at all. It's so relaxed. Yes. <laughs> it's so season. relaxing. It's, yes. it's, it's like so awesome. it's like you're in a nightclub yeah. and you're just kind of you're you're watching this hippie girl hold a big old revolver on this bridge operator and you're thinking this should be tense, and it's just you're hearing this, you know, smooth jazz as they're taking this drive down the road. But the thing that kills me is compared to like today's standards. When you watch that show and everyone gets shot and you can just see the red paint kind of like trying not to peel off their their shirts when they're rolling around or when they're they're falling down the hill. It's, I'm just waiting for it to flake off and then reveal that there's no bullet hole behind okay. it on them. So I have a question about the movie. Did they at any point in any way try to give a motivation for the like the bad guy group? It just seemed like he was crazy and well, liked violence. No, let's. <laughs> Because that was that's what I was telling like, Chris it's earlier. Like such was, an absurd like, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's like, a really weird it's like the Cobra guy. like axe gang. It's <laughs> just well, but see the funny thing is they they because there was that scene with the radio station where they say you know we've taped a list of demands outside in this yeah, phone like, booth and they run off. It's just about money. Like it just. Well, no, but then they didn't, but then they never explored that. Like that was never shown. All it was was we want two million dollars for the mayor, and so. It never, I never recall what they were going to do with that $2 million. If they got it, it was more just a ransom plot that they never really expanded yeah, upon. Yeah, they never explained it. Was like it's, it kind of reminded me of The Rock, like where he's like a former soldier who's all crazy and then they like are on Alcatraz. But yeah, like they just didn't, it just, it seemed like a, like they're the criminal bogeyman. It's like they're criminals because they're evil and they're murdering this pinch, this guy is about to retire. And well, I mean, that's, that's like the whole, that's what they were trying to get across was it was, you know, the anti war establishment trying to like fight back against, you know, law and order. But other than kidnapping the mayor and, you know, holding him for ransom, they didn't really expound upon it any further. But I mean, it's an hour and a half runtime. And a lot of it's just watching Clint Eastwood, you know, eat ice cream in the park waiting for his. <laughs> contact to show yeah, up you know while he looks cool with his sunglasses it's like that scene where he was running i thought was so funny because he just looks like the most like person who would never do anything other than walk slowly and cool and being all cool oh i know <laughs> so i'm like running you're like oh come on well the part that got me is he's it's i love how i mean it's the film's just supposed to portray the you know the negative like the negative stigma of police back then and the free speech versus the law and order but when he's chasing that black guy after the police station bombing and he tackles him in the church and he's got his gun out but the priest is demanding he sees some id like immediately rather than you know let that suspect go i need to see a badge right now and then he's got you know he's got to give him a speech about how he's a disgrace and how this is unacceptable and blah 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 and then you know rather than handcuff this guy and then worry about identification and letting him know who he is afterwards they've got to interrupt the scene right there it just kind of made me chuckle i found the whole movie very hilarious i don't know like if like it was it was like made with like that sense of humor if it's just kind of like modern sensibilities looking at it like the like the... i <laughs> oh my guess is I, I mean given that it was the 70s my guess would be it was just some contract writer that put something together because uh, there's so there many plot like, holes there's like five writers like there was like a story and like a screen story <laughs> 
Oh, you're right. There was. There was three screen story. Then there was a screenplay. You're right. Well, the part that got me was. It's like only an hour why... and a half. It's not a long movie. Like, was was Crystal one saying it kind of felt like like a TV episode? That was kind of what I thought. Like, thought it was. It's like it just felt like a police procedural. <laughs> the, the, the the files from Police Squad. But but yeah, like serious. like way more violence. Well, what the part that I maybe I missed it because I know the priest had a secret of his own. But what was the deal with the nun? Because the, I, mean, I remember the nun part of it, and it gave someone for the other actress to take down. I don't know. Okay, I thought I missed something, but, but I like, watched yeah, that scene a, again. That's kind of like my biggest is like you could have like the black like uh, VF like Veterans Association barbershop thing like they had like like you can like fill in the blank as to what the grievance is you really can't with these oh. guys like you don't know why they're doing this they never explain it <laughs> you just get a bunch of no, that's kinda, and it's just like there's psycho kinda, there's psychos out there there's sickos, <laughs> get yeah. the sickos. like <laughs> sacrifices have to be made and you're like why like what sacrifices are you talking about it's like, like what is your what's yeah. what's your horse in this race i just think it's really funny you know that no attempt is made other than he's like, he's crazy. But like, if he's that crazy and unstable, like why does he have other like people with him? Like what he does to that one, uh, that woman, hippie woman that gets shot. But I, that was probably one of the biggest, oh. biggest laughs in the movie for me. <laughs> but I mean, but that's the same thing too, though. They like all the subplots or like all the exposition, like you're just kind of supposed to assume like they rush through the whole church. They only show the, the black barbershop militants, you know, twice where, and the guy, the second time just has that conversation with Clint in the park. And then yeah. the rest of it was, but I mean, I guess yeah, it's, it's like only an to hour focus and a half on, long. It's, it's, it's yeah. know, like modern, modern standards. It's strange that it's not more well, convoluted, not more complicated. Well, no, it's, well, the thing, well, that, and but the scenes are really drawn out too. I mean, like the whole hostage situation at the beginning, He's going to talk with his partner about how his partner wants to get home for dinner with his wife. And then he's going to slowly walk in there and then they've got to like get in his face. Yeah. And then, yeah, the character, the, the, the takes at the beginning is very funny. Like just, <laughs> yeah, the, the takes are like, the takes are so long compared to today. Like it's, they, it lets it take its time. Like it's trying to suck you in with atmosphere, but compared to today where they just, they, I mean, fill it, yeah. they throw details at you to, so well, you don't have to solve the puzzle. I thought it was well paced. Like I didn't, I wasn't bored or anything. Like it moved it like decent. Enough oh, I, know. To it, I mean, it, the pay, it, the, I mean, it, 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 it had a good pace. It's like there are a fair amount happens in it, but well, I mean, it's good pace, but at the same time, you're kind of left, you know, filling in some blanks or you're left with some plot holes at the end of it. You're kind of like scratching your head. Like once you think about the plot of it, but that's just me. Yeah, no, like they, they, the the lack of motivation for the villains, I think, is one of the funniest things. This never. Explained. This is why we have to have. <laughs> this is why we have to have podcasts together so that we can actually, so we can answer each other's questions because we're always well, sometimes we're confused. Well, answer to mine, which was why were they doing this other than money? Which is I don't know. They just hate the mayor. He's probably a Republican. That's all you need to know. Yeah, the whole angle of like trying to like get good PR by having that woman cop get all the credit for things that it fills of its era for sure. It's kind of like a reactionary movie. It, it totally is. It's, it's the seventies to a T it's racism I mean, I guess, and sexism. Yeah. The first one is anti-establishment pretty reactionary too. Like I've never saw, I haven't seen any others besides just the first this one now, but as far as like, the second one's like, good. it's like the other. darn bureaucrats and rules preventing our good cops from, <laughs> Catching exactly. all the he, they're still mad that Nixon got booted out unfair because he just tried to rig an election yeah, no, four I was years kind later. Of like imagining so. like Nixon watching this, cheering. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you get him, hippies. <laughs> you tell those long-haired yeah. punks. Darn, hippies. Chris, what did you think of the movie? Do you remember it? You watched it way before us. <laughs> 
Chris is gone. Oh, we've lost our fearless leader. All right, let's just do more Nixon impersonation yeah. until we get Chris back to fill the time <laughs> for the dead air. I wonder if we're even recording still if Chris is gone. If in the final recording, it's just him talking and it just <laughs> we cut out all together. Like, yeah, it's all together. All the feeds are there and it's just us not acknowledging other people. Can you hear me? I was weird. I could hear everybody, but you apparently you guys couldn't hear what I was saying. Maybe that's why when I was talking, no one was responding to me. So. Yeah, I know. It's like uh, we were saying that it's probably going to sound really funny. Like we're just a bunch of like narcissists <laughs> talking to hear ourselves. <laughs> well, I'm so glad he I'm so glad he's gone so now I can listen to my own voice for once. I'm just gonna give my opinions. <laughs> <laughs> well, to answer your question before I couldn't respond, my my review is I I agree. I think it's not supposed to be that funny. Um, I, yeah, I think it's just funny it's, by looking back but, on it is I mean if you why, if you the the target audience and the style of time I, I was definitely supposed to be you know a serious you know procedural cop drama with like action and suspense and everything like that you're supposed to be like yeah. emotionally invested and hate these hippies yeah <laughs> you're, you you don't want to see him kill the innocent mayor who's just trying to police the city oh. who's and the evil but, police chief you know, I thought the elderly security guard was like the audience surrogate <laughs> 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 like these darn sickos ruining America. <laughs> to, well, to, to, to finish my review, I think I think it's it was fun to watch a movie in the seventies on a Blu-ray. It was it felt really the transfer was really good. It was funnier than it should have been, but it was highly highly enjoyable. I, I wouldn't go watch this again, but watching the first two and now seeing this the third one, it's it these are by far the best Dirty Harry movies. I haven't seen the last two, but... Considering some of the stuff Eastwood did in the 70s and 80s, this is this is definitely one of the better on-par films as opposed how, to... How old is he in this movie? He's, he like he's going to be 90 this year. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, like, well, he didn't get like so, famous until he was 30, so I'm like thinking he's like 45 in this, but I don't know. 1920, yeah, 1910, maybe. 66? No, 1930. So he was 46 in that movie. Yeah. Okay, that sounds right. I, uh, I I don't know about the next two movies, but the first three are awesome and are fun to watch. And we were talking about this before you joined, Taylor, that it's a reflection of the time. And there's so many points that they're trying to touch on that it's really kind of funny. It, yeah, it reminds me like, of like Death Wish, but like, you know, like a, that, that one's probably darker than these are, like as far as... <laughs> yeah. But like sim- uh, similar reactionary, like darn well, sickos. Dirty Harry's more trusting in law enforcement to kind of get the job done against lawlessness, whereas Death Wish by yeah, that it's point, like, it's like has the, 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 <laughs> the, the vigilante, yeah. vigilante well, no, justice. Yeah, yeah. The, the stigma of the 80s was that you, the law doesn't really help you or doesn't really protect you, and so you take justice in your own hands to get any results. Yeah. Well, I'd give it a large bucket. Not a golden bucket, oh. but a large bucket. I think it's it's awesome. The jazz music makes it the chasing super awesome, but what about you guys? What's your rating? It's like it's not a must see, but it, I mean it's certainly fun. Like it's like 
It's the kind of show that if you like, you caught on like TV or something, you'd like, yeah. you'd leave it on. You'd be like, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it's, if you, I mean, the first one you definitely should see, but then it's kind of, if you've liked the first one, you'll like the second and third. You'll, I mean, it'll keep you entertained, but it's not recommended viewing. You're not going to be missing you know, anything if, if you don't yeah. watch it. If you want to hang out with Clint Eastwood, here's an hour yes. and a half. You can hang out with Clint Eastwood and I'm always down for that. Yes. And the scene with him dealing with the rookie cops or like trying to get, make detective is so great it's so funny it's just him like well i don't want to be here yeah no well no and so that's the other that's the great representation like just disgust at like what's happened to his neighborhood kind of deal yeah yeah well but at the same time though that interview scene is great because the the female they have there from the mayor's office is like the worst representation of like somebody you can get where they get this older lady with gray hair. That's kind of, they wanted to find like the most out of touch character in terms of what the way Clint Eastwood see the department. And so, you know, make it easier for him to kind of quabble with each other right off the bat. And it was like a high school secretary that somehow found her way into the wrong interrogation room mm-hmm. and decided to piss off Clint Eastwood about his decisions. <laughs> and then they, and then they juxtapose it with that inspector, Kate Moore, her responses were really good, and so it was. It was a really great scene. But anyway, what what do you guys? What's your final take before we end the podcast? I'd give it three out of four because there's some plot holes, and <laughs> I don't know why they tried to make Clint Eastwood look conspic or inconspicuous in that baseball hat in the brothel because that hat did not fit on his head at all, and I kept waiting for it to fall off. Oh, man, yeah, that was awesome. But, <laughs> the brothel scene, man, this movie's got some fun stuff in it. Like the chase scene where they it fall into the e- porno shoot. <laughs> yeah, you, you never know where it's going to go. <laughs> I did not expect that. <laughs> that was a lot, of, dead, a, lot uh, of, a lot of butt yeah, just, this, just Society's going to hell, man. Bunch of sickos. <laughs> yeah. What about you, well, I mean, Taylor? that was right around the time of Deep Throat. Oh, what about yeah. you, Taylor? What's your, uh, what's your rating? Some stars, for sure. Like, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a rating. That is my rating. That's, that's yeah, the gives, middle that's rating. Like, well, Zero stars. I stars, found some billion trillion stars. This, this, <laughs> um, this the, isn't a worst billion rating. trillion stars, but it's some stars. It's it's yeah. fun. We have the worst rating system. Yeah, no, it's not good. <laughs> it's fine. We should do the on cinema ones. Just <laughs> give it like popcorn well, and sodas. <laughs> We've been doing it for five years. You think you'd have a better rating system at this no, point after like forty-five? <laughs> well, They're like uh, nope, not. It's confusing, but I'm not changing my ways. Yeah, yeah no, I don't. Uh, much like Clint Eastwood, I don't like change. <laughs> <laughs> As an old white Republican, I adhor things that are different. Yeah, and Dirty Harry, he also hates change. <laughs> Loose change. Well, that was a great uh, take, and I. I appreciate you guys' willingness to jump on this. Yeah, you gave us homework. uh, I'm still pissed. (laughs) This crap of my own time. (laughs) Yeah, sorry about that. This is what we got to do in these these trying times. Yeah, these trying times. This this moment in history. Mr. First World Problems. (laughs) Yeah, this is the entire world. uh, (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you guys on the next one. As always, hit me up on the Twitters or the Instas if you want to interact with the great Popcorn Priest at Popcorn Priest. I respond to every tweet, post, comment, hashtag, and whatever else there is. Let us know if there's something you'd like us to review. Also, if you enjoyed this or any of our previous episodes, please subscribe so you can get notifications on our newest episodes. Also, share it with one of your movie lover friends. 
Much appreciated. Next week, if you want to be ready for our newest breakdown, we'll be reviewing From Beijing with Love from 1994. Guaranteed you haven't seen anything like this one. <laughs> As always, thanks for listening. This has been Should You Watch This with the Popcorn Priest. And for Cole and Taylor, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. I just like Taylor's surprise entrance where all of a sudden he just starts talking. That's the way we should do it. Yeah, it was really It's really funny. Yeah, this will be a good episode. Where I just came in saying he was the worst cop. He is. He's a terrible policeman. Yeah. yeah. I, was like, I can't believe he exactly. would like ever actually like be able to hold down that job without also just being sent to jail by internal affairs. <laughs> well, that's, well, that's why he got put in personnel because he wrecked yeah, that. No, it's like, store. like, yeah, you've you've killed some people and you know aggressively and needlessly. So we're just gonna bump you down to desk work until things blow over. Yeah, <laughs> you're just too good I at a homicide detective. I like how that guy. He's like, I I was in personnel. <laughs> <laughs> I was there for like, I was there for ten years it's for assholes. <laughs> <laughs>